And I pray that this morning this will bless somebody, but it'll challenge somebody, and that not just graduates, but to us here in God's house this morning. Amen? Um, this is called Let the Water Rise. Let the water rise. Uh, normally, we don't want the water to rise, but I hope and pray that we can start to become a people that when the water does start to rise, we can stand firm in our faith, that we can stand firm knowing who we believe in, and that we do not have to be afraid and scared so we could say, God, let the water rise. And back in 21 in Waverly, I don't know if y'all remember that, there was a flood that killed a lot of folks. And what, what stood out to me during that time, there was a man on the news, he was 90 years old, and the news had given him a, uh, an interview in his trailer. He said it was from 1977, a single wide trailer. He said it was old and he'd been there for this long and uh, the water started to rise outside. He said as the rain started to fall and the weather was getting bad, he started to see the water gather closer and closer to his trailer. Before you know it, he was surrounded by water and he couldn't go anywhere. He said, I looked outside and I seen it take my cars he said, I seen it take my stuff, and it got closer and closer to my doorstep. Before you know it, it started to come into the trailer. It started to get knee deep, and then it was waist deep. And then he said, I stood there in water up to my neck in my trailer. He said, I had nowhere to go. I had nowhere to turn. But he said, in that moment, there was a peace that passed all under understanding. He said, as he stood there, he said, Lord, if this is my time, let it be. If this is my moment, that's okay. Lord, if it is your will, let the water rise because I know who I serve and I know where I'm going and I am ready and I am not going to stress and I'm not going to worry about this situation. He said, after he got done praying, the water started to reside immediately the water was down and the water was gone. But he said there was a peace and calm because he said, I knew the Lord had me either way. Then tonight, I'm going to talk to you about, today, I'm going to talk to you about two builders. One who was ready for the flood and one who wasn't. One who was ready that was built on the solid rock of Jesus and one who thought he was ready, but he wasn't. If I can give any advice to young people today, it is to say to know what you stand for, what you believe, and to be ready to stand on the solid rock of Jesus in a world that is so nasty and decaying, in a time where the wind is blowing and the rain is blowing in and destroying things every which way. But we as Christians can still stand on the solid rock of Jesus. Amen? But the closing remarks, guys, before we understand what's going on, the closing remarks of the greatest sermon ever preached. I believe that the Bible, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached was the Sermon on the Mount. On this sermon, Jesus was preaching like no other. He was preaching as a man of authority. He was preaching to these people as God. He was giving them life-changing things. He was talking about the Beatitudes. He was talking about what it meant to have a blessed life. He was speaking of what it meant, uh, what a true man of God or a true woman of God should look like. He was saying you should be poor in spirit. You should mourn for the lost. You should be a meek and you should be merciful. He said those are the way to a blessed life. He also went on to talk about the salt and the light. 
He said, you are the salt, you are the light. He went on to talk about prayer and fasting. He went on to preach on anger and murder in our hearts. He talked about lust and adultery. He talked about oaths that we should keep to one another. He said he talked about the treasure in heaven of why we are working. We are not working for treasures on earth, but we are working to be in heaven, to be able to throw our treasures right back down to Jesus. Amen? He talked about loving your enemies, and he even talked about the narrow gate and how so many people are going the wide way. But he said, no, my friend, you must enter into the narrow gate in the narrow way. But then he concludes his sermon with this. We've made this into a, a kid's story. And, the, you know, the water rise and the, the wise man built his house on the rock and the rains come tumbling down, right? We've made it into that. But Jesus' last thing that he talked about in the greatest sermon that was ever told was this. And he said to these people, he ended it with these amazing words that we must hide in our hearts today. And look in Matthew 7, verse 28, verse 7, verse 24. It says, Therefore, after all you've heard, after all I've taught, guys, you just understood. You look, if you get time, read back to all the things that God just said. He said in verse 24, he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine... And doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house on the rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. Those are very, very convicting words this morning. It is those who do the word, who keep, the word. What good is it, guys, in Hillcrest Baptist Church to be admirers of the word? I believe that we like the admiration of Jesus. We like the thoughts of Jesus. We like a lot of his teaching. He said, I don't care if you like it. I said, do it. This is for those to do the word in which I have spoken. He said, I'm not giving you an opinion on what your marriage should be. I'm giving you what I'm telling you that your marriage should be. I'm not telling you that you can or can't love your enemies. I'm telling you to love your enemies. I'm not telling you that you have a choice to be the salt and the light of the world. I'm telling you, you are the salt and the light of the world. I'm not telling you that a blessed life comes from worldly living. I'm telling you that a blessed life comes from the Beatitudes that I have bestowed. I'm not giving you an option. I'm giving you a command. And he says, my friends, if you are going to be wise today, if you are going to be living a life of wisdom and a life that is heavenly, 
We must start to listen to God's Word. But if we are fools and we are foolish and we are ignorant and we go as sheep in our own way, but we're all going our way, just like sheep that have went astray. If we decide to go our way, God is giving us His Word, His promise. Your house will fall when the water rises. And guys, there's amazing truth in this very small passage. And I hope in just a few minutes that God will help me get that out. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your blessings that you give us. Thank you for those that are here today. Lord, thank you for these graduates. Lord, I so wanted to give just a a very um, nice sermon this morning. But Lord, you want your truth. And Lord, if I can tell them anything, it is to build their life on the rock of you. And Lord, to not build it on sand, to not do as others have done, but to do as you've commanded. And Lord, I'm praying for blessings over their life. And Lord, I pray that there's somebody here today. Lord, their their house is on sand this morning. Their house is not on the rock of Jesus, Lord. Their their house is, uh, the wind is blowing, the waters are raging, the walls are shaking in their life. Let them know that there is an anchor who holds. And Lord, let them know that today they can come to a saving faith and a saving knowledge of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So he ends with two builders, one wise and one foolish. Why? Because he says, if you don't listen to my teachings and obey my words, this is the words of Jesus, not me, you're a fool. Now, a lot of times we don't want to be called a fool or be called these things. I'm telling you, I'm not calling you a fool. Jesus is calling you a fool. If Jesus has called us to do things, he's told us what to do in his word, Jesus in his word says, you are a fool. So I want to give you two points today. One point is what it means to be wise, which means what does it mean to have a stable life? Guys, we need stability. Our world has never been so shaken with mess as it is today. Our world has never been so less stable as it is today. And God is telling us that we can have stability amongst the storm if we will trust in Him. So first, I want you to understand what it means to be wise in a life that ends in stability. Two, I want you to understand what it means to be foolish in a life that ends in destruction. The points today, the first one I want you to understand is what they mean. The Bible says that wise in this verse means phronomos. It means cautious character, sensible, and practically wise. He's not talking about book smart. He's talking about in the ways of the Lord. Guys, we need people today that are wise in the ways of the Lord. It doesn't matter how smart we are in books. It doesn't matter how intelligent we think we are. It doesn't matter how smart that this man might think that he is. God don't care about my intelligence. He cares that I love him and that he is the author of the salvation. He is the one with true wisdom. He is the one that goes before us. He just wants us as Christians to start relying on him and to be wise in the things of the Lord. Now, we become a people that think we're really smart. I mean, we can have these phones in the palm of our hand. We can have information anywhere we want it. We can Google anything we need. We are smart people, but never have we been more ignorant and stupid because the things of the Lord are what matters. Guys, I want you to understand that we can take care of our bodies. That's important. 
we can take care of our minds. But we're made up of three parts. And the part that we are often neglecting and the part that matters, the part that uh, goes before anybody else is our soul. We're feeding the world. We're feeding our life with everything else, but we are not feeding our souls. But there's only one place that we can get that fulfillment, and it is a life with Jesus. It is a life of doing his commands. It's a life of doing as he wants and what he wants for our life. So he's not talking about a book smart, but he's talking about, guys, you are wise when you build yourself a house on the rock with me in my ways. But then he goes on and he talks about what it means to be foolish. He says, you foolish builder, why in the world are you building on the sand when I've told you to build on the rock? Guys, I want you to understand that this word foolish And don't get mad at me for saying this, but it's from the Greek word moros. It means, I kid you not, it means dull or stupid. It means blockheaded and absurd. Who in the world wants to be called blockheaded? But again, it's not talking about bookly wisdom. It's not talking about how smart you are at your job. It isn't talking about how intelligent you are. It's talking about a heart and character that is against God. He said, if you are a person here today, when I called you to be a house on the rock of me, and you have chosen the world, how foolish it is to have a heart that goes against God. Guys, I want you to understand in verse 26 and 27, we're going to start, and it says the foolish house. It says in verse 26 through 27, it says, And every one of the heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the fools floods came, and the winds blew, and, the, they, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Guys, this, fool, this foolish builder built where he wanted. He cut corners. He was messy. I believe that he used cheap materials and he wanted a cheap price. Guys, I'm going to tell you a secret. The cross was not cheap and it was not easy. And I believe that we want the cross, but we don't want to pick it up and follow. We have been taught from the beginning of our, the moment that often that we are saved, we come to the cross for salvation. Amen. You did nothing to earn it. You can do nothing to lose it. It is the greatest gift that has ever been given. But the Bible says to pick up the cross and follow me. So not only are we trusting God for salvation, we must start to trust God for sanctification. And the same God that saved us and had the power to save you had the power to call you by name, the power to convict you, that power to save you is the same God that has the power to see you change and to be different. But what sense does it make when Christians don't follow Jesus? Guys, I said it just last Sunday night or a couple Sunday nights ago. How many people in your life have witnessed to you as you've been a Christian? None, one, two, max. What's wrong with that picture, church? We come on a Sunday morning, we do our thing, but are we living God's word out? The foolish house 
who this man built where he wanted. He cut corners. He was messy. He used the materials that he wanted, and he wanted a cheap price. Guys, I want you to understand, there's, I'm going to talk about a couple fools. First of all, there's the no God fool. Psalms 14.1, it says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. I want you to wrap your mind around that tonight, today. The no God fool. Does anybody in here know some folks that believe that are the no God fool? I believe there's probably people in here today that you're living a life saying, I don't know about this God you're talking about. I don't know about this Jesus that you're talking about. And I don't know if I can put my faith in this. I don't know if I can really trust in this Jesus that you're speaking of. I don't know if he's real. I don't know anything about it. And to be honest, the Bible calls that person a fool. It calls you ignorant. It calls, and don't get mad at me. I'm just saying what the Bible says. A fool says that there is no God. Psalms 14.1, it says, The fool has said in his heart there is no God. Guys, I want you to understand. Take God out of everything. Take God out of this church. Take God out of your family. Take God out of your schools. We've done that. Take God out of our businesses. Take God out of our homes. If we don't want him, take him out. What do you got? Guys, we must start to think. It is foolish to say that there is no God. We are foolish to say that I don't want the things of God because when I take God out, I have nothing. I have no purpose. Now get your mind wrapped around no purpose because you can't wrap your mind around no purpose because you know you're born with purpose. You don't have a reason for life. You don't have a foundation. There is no reason for your existence. The biggest joke that has ever been told to people that there is no God. And when we really imagine for a moment, and guys, there was a time in my life where I was really trying to seek the Lord and I was young and I was trying to figure things out and I would go online and I would look at videos and I would try to see like who is God and who is Jesus and who is Muhammad and who is all these people and I would try to search it out. And I would listen to these atheistic people and I would see what their arguments were and I was trying to gain knowledge for myself. And the more and more they spoke, one, the more I realized how angry they were. And I said, how in the world are you so angry at nothing? You're absolutely hating what you are debating against. And they believe that they are debating against nothing. But also, I started to think of my life. I said, God, if you're not real, if you aren't who you say you are, if I am just passing through this world, these kids that just graduated, Guys, there is something in every heart that tells us that we love them. There is something in every single one of us that tells us that they're here for purpose and here for meaning. Now, you today might say, I don't care about my life. Okay, well, put the ones that you love on the stake. You would lay down your life for the people that you love. And you say, why in the world would I lay down my life for people that have no reason for existence? 
Guys, without God, we are no more worth the dirt that is outside. We are the biggest accident and the biggest mistake in history. But the thing is, there's something in each and every single one of us. Romans 2.15 says, The work of the law is written in our hearts. There is conscience. Their conscience is also bearing witness. Guys, y'all remember a few weeks ago when that football player died, or not died, he had a heart attack on the field? I was watching that game, and the Bills were playing, and that, and that young man, he fell down, and he was out. They were worried about him. They were stressed about him. They were, he's about to die. And the entire stadium, from the announcers to all of the people, 60,000 people were in prayer. And you can't tell me that those people, when they walked into that stadium, had God on their mind. In fact, they're living as fools into the world. They could care less. But in that moment of fear, in that moment of worry, in that moment of stress, in that moment where they automatically knew that their conscience told them that there is one to pray to, there is one to go to, there is one who can heal us. There is one that can help this young man because in that moment they had absolutely no power, but apparently God did. It is written in the hearts of men that there is a God. And I don't need no other evidence because I know the moment that God saved me. I know the moment when I was 15 years old and God started to call me by name. And you can tell me, Brandon, I'm going to put Jesus in a test tube, and if I can't figure it out, then I'm not going to believe. My friend, I can tell you as evidence, the moment that Jesus Christ said, Brandon Patton, you're a sinner. Brandon Patton, I'm calling you by name. Brandon Patton, I'm giving you purpose and meaning for your life. And I remember the day that I surrendered to him, and he rushed into my heart. And I don't need anything else that this world can offer because I know in that moment I have Jesus. Guys, we must understand today if you are living a life that is not built on the rock of Christ, what do you have? You have emptiness. You have sand between your fingers. You have nothing that is solid you have a life that is here today and gone tomorrow with no meat, no reason for life, and no reason for anything. That is a sad, miserable life to live. And you say, well, Brendan, I want to do as I want to do. I want to live as I want to live. My friend, that does you no good in death. It does you no good in tragedy. It does you no good when the waters rise. It does you no good for your life to live as if there is no God. The foolish home was a place that he said that many call that there is no God. Next, we have the rejecting fool. Proverbs 1.7, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Guys, there is a lot of people today. This is where I'm going to get into God's house. The first is for the lost. This is for the saved. That we have become a people 
that no longer fear God. We have, no long, we have become a people that don't respect him, that don't reverence him, and they do not care about his holiness, and they are shaking his fist to say, God, what in the world are you going to do about it? Guys, that is a dangerous place to be. The Bible calls those people, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You say, well, Brandon, why in the world would you tell our graduates this? Because, my friends, you must live a life that is in line with God and fear Him. Live a life that God wants for us. Live a life that is not built on sand, but live a life that is built on the rock of Jesus. Because I'm telling you, He's got a plan for your marriages. I tell these kids all the time, man, they, they, some of them come from broken homes or somebody comes from here or somebody's come from this place and they're always wondering, man, what's God got for me? And you got a choice. You can go as your family did or you can go as your mom and dad did or you can do as they want or you can break the habit and go with what Jesus wants for your life. God wants success for your marriage. God wants success for your life. Now, I'm not talking about just millionaires, but he wants a joy and a happiness for us. Amen. That no matter when the water's rising, that we're going to be okay. Amen. Proverbs 19.3 says, The foolishness of man perverteth his way, and his heart fretteth against the Lord. Some things happen out of our control, guys. There are some times that things just happen in our life. I can't put a, a, a why. I can't put a reason. I can't tell you why there's tragedy always. I'm not God. I can't tell you why somebody loses somebody or I can't tell you why somebody gets sick. I can't tell you. And I wish I could. I wish that in this moment I could tell you the reason for all of bad and all of the awful, but God's got a plan. All I know that he is good and all I know is that he is righteous and all things work together uh, for his good. I know that and i got to trust in that. But the truth is, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Every single one of us in this room, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. That means it doesn't matter how much that I'm trying to walk with Jesus, there's still sometimes rain is going to fall in my life. That means that I'm still going to have tragedy. That means that I'm still going to have issues. That means that I'm still going to have those things in my life that test my faith. Guys, we're all going to have those. But this is what I want you to understand. Can we stop blaming God on the consequences of sin in our life? Y'all with me? Can we stop Blaming God for the bad things that are caused by the consequence of our own sin. We want to blame everybody else. You're the reason. God's the reason. If this person wouldn't have done this, I wouldn't be where this is. When are we going to start self-reflecting on our own life? To say, God, am I out of bounds? Is it the things that I've done that's got me here? We live in a society where they, we, we, we try to take away consequences. But my friend, there's a consequence to sin. 
And I'm not saying that God don't love you. I'm not saying that God can't forgive you. I'm not saying that God can't restore you. But there is a small word that we have forgotten out of our churches. There is a small word that we have omitted. There is a small word that we no longer want to talk about. But it is the reason John the Baptist came and what he was preaching is what Jesus was preaching. And you know what that word is? It is repent. Repentance. And we don't want to talk about repentance. Guys, what made it so hard for me when I got saved, I was sitting in that pew as a 15-year-old boy. And it was not some, I want to be saved. Amen. And I didn't skip down the aisle. Lord, save me. Amen. This is great. This is wonderful. It wasn't that. It was conviction. It was that moment that God was tugging me by name and he was tugging my heart. And I knew that I was a sinner and I knew that I was lost and I knew that if I died, I was condemned because of what I had done. I knew in that moment that I was lost and I was separated from a holy God. That according to his word, I was again not who my mama said that I was. I was who God told me that I was. And that I was a liar and that I was a thief and I was a, a, an adulterer and I was all of these things. On, and I remember sitting in that pew. I was sitting there listening to that preacher like this. And I felt the Holy Spirit and I said, God, just get me out of this place. I don't want to be here. I, I just got to go. And I white-knuckled it as hard as I could. And in that moment, he said, son, are you going to give it all to me? What does that mean, God? I don't want to give it all to you. What does that mean? I said, what does that mean? What does that mean, Lord, that I got to give it all? God told me in that moment, he said, repent. He said, son, the way that you're going in your life is heading off a cliff. The way that you're going in your life is built on sand. The way that you're going is pleasure for a moment, but I'm telling you, at the end, it's going to leave you with nothing but gravel between your fingers. And he said, son, turn to me. And in that moment, that's what makes it so hard, guys. If everybody, everybody would come running to the cross if there was nothing else about it. Now I'm talking, it's all grace. But guys, we must be coming to God and saying, Lord, I will go, I will turn my life to you. And you say, well, Brendan, I have nothing to offer. Amen. He'll take it. He said, come just as you are. But you've got to give him just as you are before he can make you into what he wants you to be. But we come to the cross saying, God, I, I want the cross. I want heaven, but I want my life as well. Well, my friend, we didn't give him anything. We didn't give him our life. We gave him our lip service. We gave him what we thought he wanted to hear. We gave him what Cain gave. Cain was a man that worked his tail off. Cain was a man who prepared that garden. Cain was a man 
that said, Lord, I, don't you see my dirty hands? Don't you see how hard I'm working for this garden and for this sacrifice that I'm going to give you? I think sometimes we make Cain out to be like he just gave him this little bit of flowers or something. I believe it was a beautiful garden. I believe he gave him and toiled all night, all day, all month, and he came and gave God what he thinks he needed. God, you'll accept this. Why wouldn't you? You'll accept me just as I am. Like, you'll, you'll accept me in, in my sin. You'll accept me. Surely, God, you will. But Abel, he didn't toil all night. But he took and he gave what God required. And he took the blood sacrifice. And he laid it down at the feet of God. Guys, we must understand that it is not about us, but it is about the blood of Jesus. And that no matter what we do in our life, we can be scared, we can be afraid, we can say, Lord, I don't want to... God will take care of you, my friend, if you take one step of faith and put it in a mighty Savior. But Satan has nothing for you. Satan has nothing for you. He is a liar. He wants to destroy your home. He wants to destroy your families. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to destroy anything and everything that you could have been for God. That's all he wants is to take. While God says, all I want to do is give. And salvation is so easy, but yet it is so hard sometimes. It's, it's not hard on his, but it's hard for us to understand how easy it is. Salvation, guys, is not so high that we can't reach it. Some of us are trying to grab it. Grab the salvation. Lord, what do I got to do to get up there and get it? And that's why we come to church. We do our things and we, we come in week in and week out. But we don't have that fulfillment in our life. When we lay our heads down at night, we don't have that fulfillment and that joy and that peace. God says it's not so high that you must grab it. It's so low that you must get down on your knees and receive it. And that's all we have to do is receive the gift that God has given. Stop admiring Jesus and make Him Lord. The storm water is and it will rise, but only Christ is the cornerstone in which we can base our life. And then two, and I'm going to hurry and I'm going to finish this one fast, it is the stable life. The wise house. I've given you the bad news. Now I'm giving you the good. The stable life, the wise home, in verse 24 through 25, it says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded on a rock. Look over in Proverbs 13, Proverbs 3. 13 through 18. I'm going to read this as fast as I can go, but this is some good stuff. This is the stuff that we tell our children. This is the stuff that we just don't listen for ourselves. It says in Proverbs 3, 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not in thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. That is some good stuff that we must start to listen to. But then in verse 13, he says, wisdom is precious. Wisdom 
is that, that wisdom that God is calling us to have, that godly wisdom. And it says, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and of gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things that thou can desire are not to be compared unto her. The length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand the riches and honor. Her ways are, her ways are the ways of pleasantness, and, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life that lay a hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. Guys, it says happy is the man. Happy is the man that walketh in the ways of the Lord. A life with Jesus is better than silver or gold. It is more precious than rubies. And he says, I will give you peace. And in verse 33, it says, But the curse of the Lord is in the house of the wicked, but he blesseth the habitation of the just. Guys, I don't know why God gave me that message today. I don't know. But all I know is, is youth, when you go out into the world and it's coming, now don't get me wrong, I believe it is an open door for what God wants. God's got big plans. But Satan is always there and he's always waiting and he is always ready. And when we get into the world and we get freedom and we can start to do as we want, we can start to not have mom and dad telling us what to do, you're going to have to make that choice for yourself. Am I going to stand on the solid rock of Jesus or am I going to build my home on sand? Am I going to be a man that leads my family well? Am I going to be a man that leads my wife well? Am I going to be a woman who loves Jesus? Am I going to be a, a businessman that loves Christ? Am I going to be a person that God will be proud of? That's a choice that you have to make. And guys, if there's people here today, you say, well, Brandon, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm one of those fools. I'm one of the fools that, for one, I don't believe in God and I don't want him. My friend, there's a place at the cross and you must understand that in your heart right now, you don't believe that. There's something in every single person that tells us that there is God. He's placed it in every single one of us. Now, it's what you do with it. It's acknowledging him as who he is and his truths. And if you're somebody here today, I want you to understand that there was a cross 2,000 years ago that he bled and died on. And on that cross, he took away the sins of the world. And your sins were included in that. And the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his life for you, that if you will believe in him and you will trust in him, he'll save you. And you say, well, Brandon, why are you wanting me to do this? And why are you, I'm not doing this for you. Don't do it for me. Amen. Don't do it for Hillcrest Baptist Church. We don't want nothing out of you. I just want you to be in heaven. Yep. Amen. And without God, there's no answers. And you can search and you can try to find other ones. There ain't nobody like Jesus. And there ain't nobody that's got the answers to sin, sorrow, and death like Jesus does. He's the place that you can place your faith. Now, if you're somebody else in here this morning, you say, well, Brandon, I'm that other fool, man. I've just not been living for him. I've, not, I've been kind of making a mockery of him. My life is not lining up where it should. My friend, there's a place that you can come and repent. People always ask, why do I got to come to the altar? You don't got to come to the altar. You can do it right there in your seat. 
but have a real moment. But there's something special when everybody's looking and you're like, Lord, I, I don't want to come down to no altar. I don't want to. That's exactly the point. It is a humbling experience to say, I don't care what people think of me. I care what God thinks of me. And you can do that right there in your seat. But humbling ourselves before an almighty God. And so whatever God's calling you to do today, you do. Pray for these students. Pray for them and their future. But if God's calling you for any reason, do not push the conviction down. Do not say, Lord, harden my life. I'm not going to do it. And he hardens your heart. Like you're, you harden your own heart. Don't harden yourself. But say, Lord, make me a heart of flesh that I can feel your presence. And whatever God's calling you to do, you come. We're going to go in a moment of invitation.